Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to the Sword and Shield podcast, episode two, June 25th. 2020. Today's topic is going to be enlisted promotions. I'm Colonel Rick Erich, 960th Cyberwing Vice Commander. With me today, I have Chief Howard, and we're going to talk about enlisted promotions. And uh, we're really excited to be able to talk to this. We get a lot of questions. Sometimes it can be confusing, and Chief's here to try to help us uh, walk walk through what it looks like. Awesome, sir. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to, to be here today. Uh, this is uh, Chief Howard. I'm uh, the acting uh, command chief and uh, the 960th uh, Cyber Operations Group uh, superintendent. Um, we kind of wanted to break down some questions, sir. Did you have a couple questions that we want to walk through or do you want me to go ahead and just uh, step through the airman tier? I think we'll try. Uh, I'll try to ask some questions and, and based on some feedback we received from the Happy or Not survey over the last UTA, there was a number of themes that emerged from our feedback and our comments. Uh, we won't talk about specific comments, but I will talk about some themes and I think they fit nicely into kind of a, a question answer session interview. We'll try this method for yes, for sir. this edition. And so some of the themes that we're gonna talk to today are, uh, and some of it is based on uh, probably some facts and experiences some of our airmen have and the differences of coming off regular Air Force units. There's some confusion there. So we're going to try to separate that for folks and, and help you understand where, where you can get that information and, and talk to some of those perceptions people have too about politics right? and about uh, who's actually making the decisions. And, and it is much different than even the Guard and you know, regular Air Force. Sir, I'll, I can uh, break down some of those differences for sure, especially when we talk about the Airman tier. Okay, excellent. Well, let's get started. I think, you know, the first the first thing maybe to address is what do you, uh, what would you tell a young Airman who's joining uh, the Air Force Reserve, maybe for the first time, or maybe coming from one of the other components about what our promotion system looks like overall? Okay, definitely. Um, so, Obviously, we follow AFI 362502, um, and then the reserve specific is Chapter 8. Um, the biggest difference uh, for a reservist uh, versus a um, you know traditional uh, regular Air Force uh, member um, in the airman tiers uh, specifically is it's um, it seems automatic, right? It's in the system. Um, those those promotions happen uh, almost uh, instantaneously because of the way the system's built. Uh, within the reserves, we have the same requirements uh, and the same timelines. Uh, the only difference is that it requires uh, some pushing uh, of paperwork internally to our process. Uh, so the unit still has to push for the promotion. The documentation has to be routed through the FSS. Um, and then that actually then drives the promotion versus um, right after where it's already set in the, uh, in the system itself and then 
produces a, a projection and allows airmen to know. Um, so going from E1 to E2, so going from airman basic to airman, you're looking at six months time and grade as an E1, um, and time and grade begins with the members uh, entering of initial active duty time, right? So when you go to uh, BMT. Um, then going into uh, E2 to E3 or, um, you know, airman to uh, airman first class, uh, again, six months time and grade um, as an E2, and uh, time and grade begins uh, when the member enters, uh, again, initial active duty time. Uh, then senior airman, we have a little bit of uh, a change up in some of those requirements, not just time, um, but there's a three skill level in a primary uh, Air Force Specialty Code or PAFSC, um, which means that we've finished tech school, we've uh, we started up our upgrade training, uh, we may have completed some CDCs. You also need one year of satisf satisfactory service. So if for some reason uh, you uh, didn't participate or um, you have a bad year, that's a problem there. Um, that's actually a, a piece that I'd like to highlight real quick is that at any rank, at any for any promotion, um, you would have uh, a problem if you had a, an unexcused absence within the last 12 months. That's another thing within the reserves, right? Um, additionally, kind of going back into um, the promotion to senior airman, um, talked about the skill level, the one year satisfactory service, but also eight months time and grade um, as an E3 before being promoted. Um, again, all starting with those times and grades uh, with your initial uh, active duty time, sir. Excellent. So what's a supervisor's role for an airman promotion? Supervisor's role is uh, going to be very engaged, right? They should be um, breaking down what those timelines are with the airman. Uh, the supervisor should be setting some expectations as well. Um, just because there's a time and grade uh, requirement um, doesn't mean that once you meet that time and grade, it's necessarily um, uh, the right time for you. Um, if you're not developing, if you're not performing, um, or if there's some other disciplinary issues, then uh, sometimes uh, the, the squadron commander uh, can take the recommendation of the supervisor uh, to hold on that rank uh, for a short period of time. But with that, there should be some mentorship uh, happening with the supervisor. The supervisor explaining, okay, here's the things that we're looking at. Um, here are the things that we'd like to see improvement and, and build a plan with the, the airmen of uh, this is what I'd like to see over the next two to three months. Uh, you know, usually we use months based on the fact that you know, UTAs are one month after the next month. Um, and when we use those terms like three months, it seems like a big time. Um, when we're looking at it from a drill perspective, um, it is only, you know, a few days of actual hands-on um, growth. Um, but we have to set this, uh, those expectations. We have to set a plan forward as a supervisor uh, to our airmen so that they know what that expectation is. And then we give them the chance to grow and develop and, and move forward, right? It's not meant to be a hindrance. It's meant to be mentorship. It's meant to be growth. And it's meant to make sure that that, that airman's performing at that next uh, higher grade. Excellent. So sounds like setting their expectations is really important. Very and key. Exactly. Yes. If we set those expectations early, um, some of those uh, highlights uh, that uh, we talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast are, um, can be eliminated, right? When we talk about some of the politics or even we, just transparency as a whole, um, if we set those expectations uh, early enough, um, then everybody knows what we're talking about, right? They know what to, to expect um, and it doesn't seem so ambiguous or um, uh, subjective uh, to a member. I agree. I think when people have clear expectations of what we want them to do and how to perform, it really, you know, it takes, it puts everybody on the same level. And then people really think about, Hey, this is really fair and it's consistent and, and I enjoy working here cause I know what's expected of me. So yes, sir. 
what how does uh so what, what are the expectations for the nco core then from uh, a promotion perspective okay so when we go into the nco core um we are really start talking about some of the technical capabilities right um airmen are developing uh airmen are learning uh, so that airman tier is built to um withstand some of that flexibility of the training when we come to the nco uh, core now we have a little bit higher expectations of what that technical expertise is going to be so when we're promoting to staff sergeant you have to have that five skill level so you've learned your skill set you are growing into that skill set um, you need to have 12 months time and grade uh, and then four years of satisfactory service then uh, also you know now we talk about the importance of PME uh, the completion of uh, it, ALS is required to move on to us uh, to staff sergeant um, so and the fact that the reserves is a little bit different we do open the gate a little bit in regards to uh, what some of those courses are so like an NCO prep course in some cases for uh, individuals that may have been in longer um, or some NCO leadership school for the actual titles um, and then when we talk about sister servicing um, sometimes their schools will come into play to, to make sure that they've met the gate uh, for the PME requirement and then also the other piece is, is um, you have to have six months of retainability uh, to become a staff sergeant. Um, then when we move to the next level, when we're, we're transitioning to that real trade craft uh, level, when we talk about a tech sergeant, um, now you have to have that seven level skill set, right, for your primary AFSC. Um, then you're going to also need 24 months time in, in grade. You're going to need six years of satisfactory service um, and assigned um in a primary incumbent uh, position, right? So you can't be in an overage um, when we talk about union vacancies. Again, another difference between uh, REGAF is the fact that um, uh, you have to have a position, a primary position open for promotion, uh, where REGAF, it's the testing all the way up to tech sergeant. Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of position you're in. There's It's balanced across the system a lot different than uh, the reserves where it's really balanced at the individual unit level. Um, so that comes into play as well. And then again, you must have six months retainability. And when we talk about tech sergeant or all the way back to uh, airman basic, all those promotions are within um, the grasp of the unit commander. Um, the unit commander is taking recommendations uh, from the supervisors uh, and superintendents in some cases, and then making their decision to promote that airman. Um, that's where we talked about if there were some issues where the supervisor said, let's hold, um, they would be taking that as a recommendation and making the decision based on that recommendation and any other documentation that might be in play. So that's really good rundown. I really appreciate that. And we can, people can look all this up in AF and the AFI? Yes, again, AFI 362502. Uh, um, the original publication date on that is December of 2014. However, there was updates back in 2019. Um, that'll be in the front of that. Um, and then specifically, again, uh, Chapter 8 uh, really breaks down the reserves specifically. How does the senior NCO promotions differ than our NCO and our airmen? Right. Um, so we talked about, you know, the growth of training for airmen. We talked about the the, the training and tradecraft of our NCOs. When we talk about senior NCOs, now we're talking about leadership. So those expectations really start to change. Um, so with those uh, specifically going to a master sergeant, again, you have to have that skill level, uh, a seven level skill level, 
right? Um, you also uh, need to have 24 months time and grade, eight years of enlisted service, eight years of satisfactory service, and then again, signed to that primary um, position. Um, but what we're looking at there, uh, I, I apologize, I'm going to roll back for a second. There's also the PME requirement of having NCOA done. Um, again, we highlight uh, the education for leadership at this point. That's where that big transition starts to happen. Um, but uh, And also what we're looking for. Um, we're also asking for a reserve service commitment for our master sergeants so now that we're entrusting you into a leadership role, we want to make sure that that investment is, uh, you know, held within the reserves for um, roughly two years in most cases. Um, but uh, with that recommendation, uh, you're looking at, um, in some cases, some units will actually um, do a lot more development, uh, specific development, um, and then be looking for those leadership traits. Again, even up to master sergeant, that's with inside the individual unit uh, control. When we talk about senior master sergeant above, that's where things really start to change. Uh, that change uh, requires actually um, wing commander approval for promotion to those two ranks. Uh, senior master sergeant, um, you're looking for a seven or nine level um, more often than not, we're looking towards that nine level, especially if uh, we're talking about a, a significant um, leadership role within inside of a unit or elsewhere. Um, then when 24 months time and grade, um, we're looking at 11 years of uh, satisfactory service, uh, 10 years of at least enlisted service. Um, and then we're also asking for that CCAF, right? We're asking for that, uh, that degree that, uh, that the Air Force has provided to uh, available to you or another accredited college degree. Um, again, we're showing some uh, some expanded capability. We're showing um, a commitment to the whole airman concept. Um, and then again, assigned to a primary position. Uh, again, we're looking for senior NCOA at this time. So that, that time as a master sergeant, uh, the expectation is that uh, that senior NCOA is completed, whether it's um, through uh, in-person, in in-residence courses or through um, uh, the virtual process now or distance learning um, through uh, testing. And then again, we're looking at uh, two years of retainability after this and that reserve service commitment. Um, the other piece with uh, senior master sergeants uh, here locally within the wing, um, what we do is we route uh, any triple S uh, records review up to the group. Um, we look at uh, those career data briefs. We're, we're validating that uh, we've had some significant um, duties. We're seeing the kind of roles that we've taken on as a as a airman, NCO, and a senior NCO up to this point. Um, the group superintendent at that point will actually do an interview um, just to, to see where you're at, ask you some questions, get some philosophies about your leadership uh, capabilities, and, and make some concurrences on the ESSS. Uh, before it goes to the wing. And then uh, for um, leadership roles, if we're talking about a senior master sergeant that uh, is going to be uh, a superintendent, it's an interview panel. Uh, this interview panel consists of uh, the command chief, uh, the group superintendent of the group that you uh, reside in. Uh, we use the other group superintendent as an uninterested party and uh, the owning commander of that position. Um, at that point, uh, when we're vetting that out, we expect to have multiple candidates. So um, the, the actual uh, documentation is um, cut down. We remove any information of uh, where they're currently assigned, um, what their race is, what their religion is, what their uh, gender or sex is. All of that's removed, so it's a complete blind 
uh, package. Uh, that package is then uh, looked at um, and then um, racked and stacked based on uh, the credits of the, of the record itself. Uh, the top three to five, depending on how many candidates uh, actually uh, get selected, will then uh, be put into the inter interview process uh, for the, uh, the commanders to make their selection uh, with the recommendations of the rest of the board members. Um, that cycle usually uh, takes about a half hour interview process, multiple questions, um, and we're looking into um, some of those uh, so those are the answers. I'll get to that after I talk about the chief uh, process. Chief process is uh, very similar. Again, we're looking at the nine level skill set, uh, 24 months time and grade, 10 years minimum of enlisted service. Um, again, we're looking for that CCAF or another accredited college degree, 14 years of satisfactory service. Um, and then of course, uh, being assigned to a chief uh, slot. And uh, prior to assuming the grade, there's a, a you have to uh, meet the needs of the uh, chief orientation course, the COC, uh, prior to actually pinning on. And then again, we're looking at that two years of retainability, reserve ser service commitment. Um, the difference here between senior and uh, chief is uh, that the command chief is the primary uh, signatory uh, for the recommendation prior to going to um, the uh, wing commander for recommendation for promotion. Um, so that's the bulk of it. And then uh, opening it back up to you for questions, sir. Sure, that's great. Thanks for laying that out. That's, uh, we kind of ran through that really fast. And, yeah. and all this is referenced again in the AFI, so people yes. can go do that. And I think maybe some of the concerns folks have are, um, you know, maybe a couple things. What would you tell somebody that says uh, enlisted promotions are political or it's the good old boy network or the drinking buddies are the ones who get promoted? How? And, and maybe address in the context of how our promotion system has kind of changed, maybe just in, you know, your time. Right. Um, so, you know, those are valid concerns and valid, um, you know, statements. Um, we've all been there, right? We've all sat there and, and saw someone else get selected. Um, we've seen someone else move forward where we may have not felt uh, personally that that individual was ready or worthy of that promotion. Um, and it's easy to, to assign some of that that uh, that statement to it from a, from an emotional perspective. What uh, we've seen as far as changes um, because of those, right, is we we couldn't uh, unvalidate. We couldn't uh, you know uh, say that those things weren't true in some cases because there's always going to be a bad case. Um, is uh, we're trying to have more transparency. I think that's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation. But uh, Air Force wide um, is the mandating of uh, these particular interview panels, the mandating of these recommendations, um, because before it was just a signature, right? All it took was an individual to say, yep, this guy's, oh, this girl's good. Let's go ahead and make this happen. And boom, boom, boom. You know, the hands are, are wiped, everything's solid, and there's nothing to, to validate uh, that the process was uh, fair. Um, now, when we go through these interview panels, we have multiple people on it. We have multiple recommendations and we have multiple signatures, all stating that, yes, we review these records. Yes, that we took the time to interview this individual um, and then uh, be able to produce a product uh, and a justification up to AFRC when, we, when these selections are made, saying that this was done and this is why this particular member was um, hired. Additionally, for anybody that does apply for some of these jobs, we have to uh, respond with why 
why individuals were not selected as well. Um, which leads to a bigger piece of this, sir, is uh, we already talked about it in the other tiers is those expectation management pieces, right? If we set that expectation early as leadership, uh, this is what I'm looking for from uh, from my airmen. Um, and this is what it takes to, to make it to the next level. Explaining that on a regular basis, um, there should be minimal uh, misunderstandings of what we're looking for so that when someone is selected, they can go, okay, I can see that in that individual. Um, I can see that in that person. Um, and, and then the secondary piece that uh, we don't talk about too often is that feedback, right? So um, let's say that I was uh, going up for a position to work for you um, here in the future and I wasn't selected. Obviously, I would want feedback and that's where we would come in as leadership. So we uh, now in those interview panels um, will actually take the time to provide that feedback and say, hey, this is where you did well here. You know, these are the things that that really shined in your record. These are the things that that stood out as far as the interview. These are the things that we really liked about you. Here's the difference, right? This was a piece that we were missing. This is something we were looking for. Um, you weren't able to uh, really break that down. Um, that comes to the intangible pieces that we talk about in these interviews. What are we looking for, right? An ability to summarize um, their career uh, and experience and as uh, their, their selves to the, the interview panel. Um, the understanding of the concept of any questions, right? So uh, we go into the intro. Here's, here, here's who I am. Here's um, what I know. This is what I've done. Then we ask specific questions to understand like a concept in leadership, a concept in uh, management, uh, and a concept of, uh, of the Air Force in general. Are you able to take that question, break that question down, um, understand that concept, and then uh, apply it in a couple of ways. Apply it to your knowledge, apply it to your experience, apply it to actually uh, in-person reference of this is what I've done to prove this is the way I, I manage or lead. Um, and this is how I would do it in the, in the future, right? That way we, um, the interview panel understands that um, you know what we're talking about, you're able to break down what we're asking, and then also apply it in a way that we can uh, recognize that you are knowledgeable in that skill set. Um, and then the closeout piece of, uh, of that is, um, you know, the ability to highlight any key points that you may have wanted to make or, or of the concepts that were asked, um, as well as uh, the ability to, uh, you know, adjust or make corrections to your original answer and ask questions of the interview panel. If you're engaged and know what the mission is or you've taken the time to um, look up what that mission is and then ask specific questions about that position uh, when it comes to the unit, how does this work, what are some of these expectations, um, then it shows that you were engaged enough as well that you want that position. But throughout what we're looking for uh, as well, each one of these questions is that military bearing, the ability to relate the questions to yourself, to the unit, outside organizations. How are you looking at this from the unit uh, to the group, to the wing? So as a senior NCO, specifically when we're talking about seniors and, and chiefs, are individuals that are moving away from that tactical level thought process and up into the strategic and organizational levels, right? Um, and then, um, how are they uh, able, are they relatable? Are we able to talk? Are you able to articulate yourself um, and, and get your point across? Um, doesn't mean that we're not gonna have stumbles. I mean, even on this podcast, right? I'm stumbling on myself on a regular basis. Uh, it, but it, it's, can it, how do I maintain my composure? How do I recover? And then how am I able to relate that, that particular answer to the question? I think I've gone long-winded and proven I shouldn't be hired. But, um, <laughs> and then of course, answering the questions directly and not dodging things. So. Uh, did I answer your question, sir? 
Yes. All great answers. You hit on a number of areas that I feel are really important. And since I joined the reserve in 2003, I've seen an enormous uh, change for the positive in the way we kind of recruit, retain, and promote our enlisted corps. Right. Talent management is very key to us right now, right? Um, we look at uh, how the, the service is growing, how we're um, even contracting at some mission sets. Um, we're constantly in leadership looking for those key leadership attributes um, and um, taking those and putting them in the right place. And that's where a lot of this stuff comes into play. Um, we'll go outside of our normal sphere more often than not now, too, uh, to find the right attributes, the right attitudes, uh, and the right level of experience to make sure that we good, we have good, strong leaders, especially in cyber. We have great technicians. we got very smart airmen. We have airmen that are highly technically capable, um, highly intelligent, um, which means it requires a certain level of uh, leadership and management to understand that, um, as well as cultivate that kind of culture that we're looking for, not only from a military perspective, but from a cyber perspective. Um, um, I think in the civilian community, they, they actually look for some specific attributes when we're talking about these highly technical career fields. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to make that transition between, hey, I'm a technician every day. I'm really good at what I do. Now I've got this soft and squishy things that I need to do, handle, manage right. people. And it doesn't necessarily translate. Those same skill sets don't translate between the two. And so no, we have to grow that. We do. And that's very specific in that growth. Sir. I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because um, some of the concerns that we have are also based in the fact that um, sometimes, um, and this is where expectation management, good feedback and mentorship happen, people are just not ready. Um, we, if you're not able to move from that technical expertise over into the leadership realm and, uh, you know, start to step away from the technical side, doesn't mean completely, um, you know, that's what you, you, you really got inspired to do, um, you might not be selected, right? Um, and that's where that feedback and uh, the mentorship come into play is explaining, hey, look, um, you know, certain stuff, you're, you're solid, man. Uh, or uh, you're really rocking it today, any day when it comes to the technical. But uh, you can't transition. I can't get you off the console. I need you to be leading these programs. I need you to be driving these processes. Um, every time I hand you a process or, or a program, I find you back on the terminal. And I get it. I love it. I, I miss it myself. Um, but we have to make that transition. And that feedback loop is very key in that situation. Well, I think even when we talk about it with the officers, a lot about if you want to be a technician, that's fine. Right. right. We're OK with that. Yes. But I think it comes with the expectation of, you know, you're probably not going to have the same opportunity as somebody that wants to transition into a more uh, senior leadership position. Right. And so we expect you to do certain things in order to make that transition. But it's okay if you don't want to. And I think our expectations have changed over time. At least I've seen them change. We expect way more now of our senior NCOs and our NCOs and even our airmen than we did in 2003 when I first joined the reserve. It's right. much different. Well, being a, a kid of the 80s and serving in the 90s, right, it was a big, huge culture change over the years. Um, I remember my first work center had like 25 individuals in it. And we had a huge con a table in there that, that we would congregate at. Um, by the time I left, uh, we were down to five. 
right? And we went to the, the massive drawdowns of the, the 90s. And um, now we are doing more with less. We're doing a lot. Uh, those expectations are a lot higher. Um, and yes, specifically when we get into those uh, last two enlisted ranks, it's that leadership and management piece there. Um, and, and that's the hard part is explaining how it how you may top out at E7 based on the, the or E6 based on the technical. Um, not that it's a bad thing, but we have to set the right expectation of if you want to progress from these ranks up into those uh, the top uh, one, two, three percent, you're going to have to transition. Um, there's just we don't have opportunities from a technical perspective to, to go there. Uh, it's just kind of the way it is. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And we ran through this really fast. Uh, we understand that this is just one, one way that you can consume some of this information. Again, it's in the AFI and your supervisory chain should be able to help you through this. And certainly this is not gonna be the last, you know, last you'll hear about. Um, this is just one piece of enlisted development. And we're, we're doing a number of things here to address some of the concerns that the feedback that we get. And this is just one way we decided to do that. So appreciate your time today, Chief. Definitely, sir. And of course, when it comes to specifics, by all means, anybody that's listening to this podcast, reach out to me, give me the specifics, ask the questions. I'm more than willing to walk, walk you through um, where we may have gone. Um, where those processes are, and then help uh, with the mentorship to make sure that uh, everybody is moving forward, right? I don't want any airmen to be left behind. Um, and sometimes, you know, in the in the big units, we do find some holes. So by all means, reach out to me specifically, and I'll I'll, I'll uh, talk to you, kind of see what's going on, and give you uh, some mentorship where I can. Thank you very much. And as we wrap it up, I think there's a couple of themes I want to kind of kind of hit on here, and I think one is performance, right? The yes. most important thing for everybody at every grade is to perform. Yes, sir. And as a supervisor, I think your number one uh, task is to make sure everybody you supervise understands your expectations and that uh, there's certainly a good feedback loop there between you um, to your subordinates and to your supervisors both ways. If you're not getting feedback, we uh, we highly suggest you demand the feedback and you Agreed. go to your supervisor and ask. And if it's not happening, um, continue to you know use the first sergeant, use use the superintendent, use all your resources in the unit, um, use your commander and and demand that feedback. We owe that to you, and that's the only way that you're going to know where you're at and how you're going to get better. Because we want everybody, um, you know, to be a part of this uh, this experiment called the American Experiment, and it's continuing to evolve. And of course, in this wing too, we're trying to mature. Yes, and sir. become better. Agreed. Performance is key and uh, setting those expectations and uh, feedback are just as uh, paramount. Excellent. So we'll wrap up and uh, we'll talk to you next time.